0: back to another episode today we have a very special guest and first of all again really appreciate your time and really appreciate you doing this for those listening that may not know if you don't mind just introducing yourself and uh, letting them know you know what you do
1: yeah what's up man uh, thanks for having me on my name is Dee murthy i am the ceo of the five four Group. we're a portfolio of about eight different fashion brands um, across men's streetwear uh, we also have like a service side of our business where we help like a lot of uh, high-profile celebrities um, with their brand development. And we do uh, fulfillment, customer service, production, brand development for uh, a number of those people as well. And uh, I have a podcast called Group Chat that I've been doing for the last two and a half years.
0: Well, I definitely um, looked into everything that you have your hands in. And the reason why I... You know, want to do to, or introduce yourself is because oftentimes when an entrepreneur is doing various different things, it's kind of hard to categorize themselves into one thing. And I, I've run into this challenge many times with uh, various other entrepreneurs. So, but it's interesting how you're able to manage everything that you do. Is it, um, you know, if we could take it back to how it started? kind of provide a little bit of a framework as to how your mind works and how you, you know what you're driven by in terms of yeah. pursuing these things
1: yeah so this business is 18 years old I started with a good friend of mine when we were seniors in college at USC in Los Angeles uh, we were in the entrepreneurship program we had to write about a business um, and do a feasibility study in a business we were inspired by a, the first ever H&M, which was in New York City in 2002. Um, seeing fast fashion for the first time and seeing fashion affordable really like blew my mind and got me excited about doing something in the fashion space. I had no interest in fashion. I wasn't a fashionable person. Um, it was just more of the idea of an opportunity that we saw in the market. So we went down the path, graduated from college, maxed out credit cards, and built a traditional men's fashion brand. We sold to retailers all over the country, eventually got into all these department stores, uh, had a really nice business. Then the recession came in 2008. I wiped out our business overnight. And, you know, at that point we had a couple of choices. One was just give up, mm-hmm. uh, go get jobs. Uh, the other was trying to figure it out. We Our business went from like 20 employees to like five employees within six months Um, and we just threw darts one of the first darts was we went and launched another brand with uh, a television uh, personality uh, on a TV show called Fantasy Factory we launched a brand called Young and Reckless that in 2009 took off and then for 5.4, we focused, which is our main brand, we started focusing on going direct to consumer in 2009. We opened up our own stores. We opened up uh, our, you know, we really focused on our website. We struggled there. So in 2012, we threw our next start, which was launching the first ever men's fashion subscription service that really changed our whole business because that business over the next few years just exploded. Um, and to doing, you know, nearly $50 million of revenue. And we ended up realizing what we were doing was actually building a platform. Yeah. Instead of, I don't believe that there will be mega brands anymore because the consumer has so much choice that everything is fragmented. So you can, as a customer, based on your interest, you can go find whatever brand that speaks to you. So instead of, you know, our dream was to be the next ralph lauren that's not possible because the next there will be no next ralph lauren there will be no brand that men all over the world wear i mean there hasn't been since ralph lauren tommy hilfiger calvin klein Mm -hmm. no brand has ever really reached the transcendent yeah to that level and that's because retailers control the distribution and had the consumer didn't have choice now the consumer has choice so they're going to go to whatever brand speaks to them so what we decided to do is use the power that we have built with our platform and launch new brands. We launched a shoe brand called New Republic, an active brand called Grand Running Club. We launched, uh, we used that platform to start doing shipping for other big brands. and. Oh wow. So we do, what we're building really is just a, a fashion platform, a consumer platform for our own brands and other brands that we see opportunistic that we can bring on and help scale.
0: That's amazing. Um, at any point during this, uh, during your journey, were you deterred by saturation or were you deterred by, you know, the competitive nature of the of the fashion industry? Uh, say that in air quotes, because you mentioned you got into it because of the opportunity that you saw, and not necessarily the, the passion or the love for, for the game.
1: Yeah, fashion is one of those industries where the barrier to entry is extremely low. So there's unlimited amount of competition. Um, I don't think the competition is not really what was frustrating. I think it's like finding our place in the industry was very, very frustrating. So in the early years, it was figuring out from a retail standpoint where we belong, the price point, the product that would resonate. And then later on, it became about the, the digital revolution was really about how well can we tell what we do on a digital ad and that became very frustrating because it was just about who can come up with the best ad not necessarily who had the best product so exactly right. those, those are those are those are some of the challenges we still face today where some of our brands I mean I think is are incredible but they still struggle to scale because maybe the digital message we are pushing isn't powerful enough or isn't resonating
0: enough. right it's kind of a tricky one um... You know, predicting human behavior is, you know, there's billions of dollars behind it and it's still its still a hit or miss. You never really know what takes off. And I actually heard you uh, speak in one of the interviews that you've done where you mentioned um, one of your products that had no one working on it was bringing in majority of the cash and something where, you know, you thought this was the one, um, this was going to be a guaranteed home run. Did't necessarily connect at that time. if we could right. talk about you know that level of thinking and um, how you kind of deal with those situations.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is is that like in an industry like fashion, people get into it because they love the industry, they love clothing, they love creating. and maybe what you create is actually not the best opportunity. And that that for a lot of people is a challenge. So sometimes you have to suck it up and do what makes money so that allows you the right or the privilege to actually execute on what you're passionate about. You know like there like if you're um you're a single man entrepreneur show you you know you have to decide for yourself um I'm doing my day job to allow me to do my passion at night. And maybe eventually your passion will be the main source of income. But if you're doing it solely for money, then do research on the industry and find the opportunity. Don't follow your passion because your passion may not necessarily make money.
0: That's 100% right. Um, and this is something that I think I've kind of mentioned many times before in various different conversations where a lot of people look at entrepreneurship in this day and age as a source of freedom whether it's financial or whatever it may be right they they feel that first of all it has it does have a level of respect attached to it where if they negate the uh, the normal path of going to school getting a degree getting a job and they steer off of that rather they still have a level of respect in in the eyes of you know society and again that's based on these different hierarchies that we created and different things that we value but um the the point I'm trying to make is that you're right. It isn't for everyone, and it's especially not for those people that think that they can just you know quit their day job that funds their lifestyle and dive into something they're passionate about without doing adequate research. That's you know you highlighted the most important point, point. and to build off of that, I think um, even if you know if for you you saw opportunity in fashion even if you weren't interested in it or, you know, you didn't have experience in it. A lot of people dive into stuff that they think is cool or they are interested in, even if the opportunity isn't there. You know, what would you say to those people?
1: I think that's great. I think it's an amazing thing to do to follow your passion. Just set your expectations to be low. It's it's like, you know, my, honestly, like when I was younger, I wanted to be a college football coach when in my 20s. I was like, man, I would just be, I'd love to be a college. Am I fit to be a college football coach? No. I have no skills. I have no, but I love it. I'm passionate about it. And I'd probably do it for free if they would let me stand on the sideline and just <laughs> run the game. But, you know, you just have to decide. If you want to do what you're passionate about, then just know it's going to be a long slog. It's going to be very, very difficult. Um, that's why, like, getting a job in an industry you're passionate about is probably a happy medium. And, you know you get to touch the creativity part you get to touch what you're passionate about but you know at least you get an income you get a paycheck and then there will be a time in your life where you can go on and pursue your pursue your dream but you have to be smart about it I think people just dive into stuff and I was like that I just dove into it but I it took me forever you know took me 10 years to have any real success and I was okay with it I would you know I was frustrated but like I didn't give up and I didn't quit but you know i was totally content with the idea that this is going to take my lifetime to build
0: what was the driving force that kind of kept you going
1: it's probably ego and the idea that i would fail it's like embarrassing it was embarrassing like to how
0: me. would people perceive you around you and stuff like that or was it yeah, like, more internal
1: no i think it was exactly that like being brutally honest it's like everyone saw how much effort and time of my life I put into this and then after all that to walk away I I couldn't face I couldn't face that and I was like I have to figure it out like I don't care like I'll do things I don't want to do just so that I can keep this going you know I'll go have the uh, uncomfortable conversations I'll go do things that I don't really think I should be doing but I have to You do whatever you have to do to survive, you know? That's the beautiful thing about entrepreneurs. They're they're true survivors.
0: 100%. And uh, how important has it been to connect with the right people along the way?
1: I mean, for me, my relationships and my network is everything. That's the most valuable thing I have. And that's 100% because I put my energy into that from a young age, like since I was in college, I made it a point to get to know people build relationships with people it's funny is when i see young people today they're so obsessed with connecting with successful people successful people don't do shit for you mm-hmm. the people that do stuff for you are your peers are your friends are people your age people in the same situation as you are and that really is like so what if you know i don't know bill gates ain't gonna do anything for just not that he doesn't want to he just doesn't he's so disconnected from where you are in your life He doesn't even know
0: what to do he's got like a hundred of you yeah day that approach him and stuff like that yeah
1: yeah and so you know i think it's instead of getting to know some successful person go build relationships with people that are like-minded and think like you and work hard like you are interested in the same thing as you because over time that peer group will be your circle and that's what happened with me everyone's like oh you're so lucky you have such a successful friends that's not by accident i surrounded myself with people that were like me and yes i knew we would all be successful like but i wasn't friends with the most successful person when i was starting out and it didn't matter those people never did anything for me
0: that's 100 percent accurate and i'm 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 glad you brought that up because i have i have a few friends that are you know pursuing various different things and they they feel the need to connect with different people um based on certain expectations that are not realistic meaning people aren't just going to put you on you have to pay your dues in this game like you have to you know if someone's gone through it and you know if they if they've paid their dues, that they've done what they have had to do to get to the point where they're at, they're not just going to help you skip steps. They may give you information, I feel like, that could, you know, help you along your journey, but they're not going to literally hold you up. And that rarely happens. I mean, we see, we, we've seen examples of that happening, right, but it's not a common thing that occurs. And I've been fortunate enough to interact with various different um, successful entrepreneurs from all over the world. and. I've noticed that they have their own things going on. Like no one's going to, only you are thinking about yourself as much as you are. Like no one's going to put you on. And that's something that, you know, the people need to hear more and more. They think that it's just kind of an easy game of cloud chasing or whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's, it's nice to know all these fancy people, but that doesn't mean it's good for your career or for your business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more important to just find people that are in the similar situation as you and those people are more likely to push you forward. Uh, and, and that really ultimately is just like, unfortunately in the social media age, people are just caught up in like, like you said, the clout chasing or whatever it is because they feel like knowing that person means something. But it doesn't mean anything. Like I know I know a lot of very, very impressive people. And I don't ever talk about them and I don't need to because they don't really do anything for me. Like it's cool that I know them, but then I you know, there's random people up the street that do more for me than those people.
0: It's another one of those flawed metric systems that we use as a society to gauge how important or how successful someone is. Especially when you're young, I feel like when you have a chip on your shoulder and, uh, and you know, uh, if you strayed off of the normal path, which I still i am an advocate of obviously staying in school, getting a degree, getting a job, and then pursuing your passion. But a lot of people who may not have the opportunity to do that, they have more pressure. And then under those circumstances, these low-level systems of metric, or units of metric rather, are used to gauge, you know, how successful someone is. If you have a hundred thousand followers, you know, whether whether real or whatever, people assume that you're on the right path, and so they value the perception of other people more than the actual progression.
1: Yeah, I mean that's unfortunately a young person problem. In real life, no one cares. Um, like. I'm in the circles like most of my friends don't post don't have Instagram don't give a shit so it's like at the end of the day the money part of business doesn't care about that um it's just unfortunately it's just what young people have identified as success uh and it just if anything it's driving them in the wrong direction but that stuff doesn't matter not in real life
0: what how would you uh or what would you say to them in terms of realigning their their focus
1: i mean i think a lot of it is like it all comes down to what your goals are if your goal is to be like famous then go for it like that's if that's important to you if for everyone to know who you are then you should pursue that like then because that would make you happy uh if your goal is to build a business and let that business give you a life and provide you financial freedom, then you need to focus on that because Instagram followers does not correlate to financial freedom. It just doesn't. That's,
0: that's crazy. Cause that's the title of one of my episodes,
1: Really?
0: <laughs> one of my previous episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I've talked about that so many times and, it's still difficult, right? Like it's, it's kind of easy to, to say it when you're outside of it and you've achieved success and you know, you've worked hard, but when you're in it, a lot of these people my age, around my age, are in it to the point where they're emotionally invested. Like Instagram, clout, I don't even like using that term. Social media following has become one of the primary sources of dopamine for them one of the primary sources of validation, confidence. for really. Yeah. And I, I just want to, you know, I obviously can't help them realign everything. I don't have all the information, but I'm curious to hear, you know, how you think about it. What are what are some good ways to realign that source of dopamine?
1: I mean, I think, it's, <laughs> uh, I think talking to mentors and having that mentor relationship is very, very important because it gives you perspective. Because if you talk to most people who are uh, successful, they might not help you with what you're trying to accomplish in life, but they can give you a lot of perspective. And I think that's where mentorship is very powerful. It's like if you're asking somebody, like if someone asked me to like help them build their clothing line, I'm not gonna do that. No one helped me, why would I help you? Like. Are you going to give me? Are you going to let me own eighty percent of it? Then I do it. Sure. But <laughs> you're not. You're not going to help. You have to help yourself. But if you want to pick my brain on, you know how to go through the process and how to think about things and understand life and being an entrepreneur, that I can help on, and that I can give you perspective on. And then you have to choose how to do it. But the realignment, unfortunately, is going to come when reality hits you in the face, when you've been pursuing something for so long and it's like the wrong thing. And unfortunately you can't, when someone is so caught up on something, you can't change their mind, you know? They, it ha- they have to experience it. For example, everyone uh, thought coronavirus was a hoax and then you get it. And then you're like, fuck, this thing is a disaster. Like my life almost got taken away or my, family's life has been taken away because Mm -hmm. of it and so when it's the same thing when you're told that oh if you have all these followers you're going to be a successful person and you go build the followers and then you still have three jobs and you're broke and you have credit card debt and you're like okay that wasn't the case and so most people don't want to listen that's just the reality if people listened, we'd have a much better society unfortunately people want to believe what they want to believe you have to just experience the failure yourself
0: I definitely agree. I think um, with the amount of information that's out there, uh, it could be a little bit difficult to really, excuse me, find out or figure out, you know, figure out what's really valuable because a lot of stuff is floating around. You see the same things. I mean, if we look at the algorithms of, of these social media platforms, they promote the same things that you're interested in and you keep on seeing the same thing over and over again. Yep. different format different accounts posting the exact same thing so it's a little bit difficult i feel like to passively acquire the right kind of information i think we still have to seek it in uh in a time where there is an abundance of saturation there's too much saturation so people don't even know where to seek it
1: yeah i mean i think that that's absolutely right and you know i what i was not a young person in this era so i have no idea I didn't have social media growing up, uh, barely on the internet, uh, probably got on Facebook when I was 25 years old. Oh wow. Um, six years old. I mean, Facebook started when I was 24. I didn't grow up with it. So it's, it, you know, it hasn't been a part of my life. And, um, so, you, you know, I don't have the, I don't know what young people are going through, but I'll tell you. There is more access to incredible information than there's ever been. Like, I, I listen to, like, if I look at what I put out as a podcast on Group Chat and on Detour, I would die to have that information when I was 18, 19, 21, 22, 23, 25 years old. Like, I didn't have people that people like me were not willing to share information. We kept it close to the chest because we didn't want other people to catch up to us. Now there's all. It still
0: all- exists though. Pardon? not to cut you off, I feel like it still exists to a certain extent. I feel like even yep. the information that's being put out now is still watered down to, to, uh, to, to keep a certain level until there's enough competition which drives the value, you know, higher and higher. You
1: know what the problem is, is the, there's incredible information out there. It's just not sexy. So you're going to have to listen to a boring professor talk in a monotonous tone for three and a half hours and those i listen to those podcasts and i still watch those videos and it's if if you're not intellectually curious and you want the gary v you gotta hustle you gotta uh, uh," then yeah you're dummies and you're not going to figure it out anyways like that's just the reality there's there's, there's a reason why it's called the one percent because only one percent of the population is put in the effort the energy and and Sacrifice
0: it takes to be to be the one percent. Definitely agree. It's always better to get it from a primary source. Or it, it, this is this is a whole genre or, or uh, a category of business. I, I don't. Um, let me reword that. It's um, people are turning this very thing into a business rather, where they consume information from primary sources, do the boring work that no other you know other people don't want to do. And then yep. summarize it. We have apps that summarize books. I mean, just read the book. We have Audible. You know, why can't we just read or listen to the book? Yeah. Want a summary of a book and, you know, people pay for that. It's, it's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone's just looking for shortcuts and everything. So unfortunately, on the road to success, there is no shortcuts. It's a long-ass road.
0: Definitely agree. Well, let's close out with um, what has been... A significant challenge while starting any of these various clothing brands or companies that you're involved in?
1: Um, I think the, the challenge is that everything takes a very very long time even when you have all your ducks in a row and even when you're confident <laughs> you have the right product the right brand everything takes so much time and what happens with that is you normally don't have enough money you don't have enough patience. And that really is the biggest challenge, is that like We all want instant gratification. You know, we, we work on something for so long and we expect it to work. And in most cases, it doesn't work. It doesn't mean that it won't work forever. It won't work at all. It just means it just needs to be tweaked. It needs to be iterated it needs to Change a little and you'll get there. But, you know, it's to me, it always comes down to patience. Like, there are stuff that, like, I've been working on for a very, very long time that are just starting to work now. You know, that I'm working on for years. And, but I, I'll start projects or brands and i will like, this is going to take me 10 years to figure out. And I'm okay with it. And I'll invest 10 years. And so, I have a very long horizon when it comes to my business and time. So, I'm okay with that. Like, we, we all, you know, I'm a healthy person. I kind of live a long, healthy life. So, What's the rush?
0: It was never kind of a short-term thing for you. That I want to get yep. it now? You know, I want to be 25 and drive a Ferrari or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was 26 and drove an Aston Martin, so I did it, so I, uh, and that was not satisfying. Uh, and I, I would say I was very impatient when I started, because I saw people around me getting success, and it burned me that it wasn't me. Uh, and then I got to experience it a little and then it went away and then I got to experience it again and now I have a very I think you know having a family and having a a wife and a child really changes your perspective because now all those things don't matter to me it really comes down to like quality of life is so valuable to me and that is number one and the rest is frankly relevant
0: well I appreciate your time and um please let them know where they can find you on Instagram or where they can find the Cool. Uh,
1: at D Murthy on Instagram uh, and Twitter is probably where I'm most active. And then on podcast, look out for group chat and detour, D E T O U R both podcasts. I put out about five a week and uh, hit me up. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Thank you for doing it.
1: Of course.